0: You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app, or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Tonight, the first five verses of the book of Galatians will be our study as we look at Paul, uh, who lets us know that he is God's apostle, and also Uh, that it is God's gospel, God's apostle and God's gospel. The first five verses of Galatians, let's read. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forevermore. Amen. And so Paul gets right to it. Paul, an apostle, not from men or men's agency, but from God and uh, Jesus Christ, and then he says uh, that uh, he gave himself for us, and he summarizes us the gospel in the next verse, verse six. He says, "I'm surprised, I'm shocked, I'm amazed." You're so quickly deserting uh, this gospel for that which is not another gospel, and on it goes uh, at that about that pace with about that urgency uh, through. The entire book, Uh, Paul gets right to the heart of the message. Unlike some of the other uh, books uh, for which uh, we know Paul, there aren't any uh, commendations. There is just barely enough pleasantry to be polite form. No extra words in that regard. As I say, it's like this all the way to the closing. And even in the closing, it's like that still. Galatians 6, the last words of of the book. Uh, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me. For I bear in uh, on my body the uh, brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And Paul's out. It's just really uh, from beginning to end, with but the, a few uh, bare pauses, uh, an exhortation that is right to the point. It's almost the exact opposite of the study we recently did of Philemon, where we get down to about the ninth or tenth verse uh, out of only 25 before we find out what the book's really about. And then having made that, uh, uh, appeal for Onesimus on the way out, there's seven or eight verses of greetings and there's lists of names. There's references to brethren at various places on the coming and the going of that letter and nearly every letter of the apostle Paul in Romans 16. It's an entire chapter of greetings to and greetings from and, relationships with, but not in the book of Galatians. And in many ways, Galatians is the summary of the argument of Romans, but it's done uh, almost in a different spirit, not the uh, long consideration, the answering of questions that we have in the book of Romans. It is just the straight announcement uh, of the facts of the matter to the Galatian brethren. And the best explanation I've heard as to why it's quite so terse and it really is almost to the point of, 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 of it's terse, almost to the point of rude. It's not rude. It's still polite, but there's no, there's no extra time for pleasantry spent. It, it's like, uh, the announcement you get on an airplane. And when an airplane is, you know, safely on the ground, when there's plenty of time after everybody, they've locked the door, but you know, we got a taxi out to the runway We may have to wait for some other planes to take off in the time of which there is, you know, there's time and there's safety and there's no real problems aboard the plane. Uh, There's lots of announcements. Uh, Would you please direct your attention to this? Notice this, Uh, take it, take it, take this time to see where the, the exit rows are and look at the alternate exit beyond that one. And so uh, if a circumstance should arise, that this happens, this is what we're going to do. And on it goes and it's very polite, and, and sometimes it's a little bit verbose, and uh, you know it, it, gives you, it gives you plenty of time to consider everything. But what happens in the plane when you hit the turbulence? Well, you're going to get a much more brief announcement. You're going to get the announcement that says, please sit down. <laughs> please return to your seat. Please fashion your belt. And the worse it is, the less is said. And that's sort of a general rule of many things in life. The worse a thing is, the less is said if we're flying uh, on a nice calm day the captain might get on the microphone he might get real chatty he might point things out the window sometimes the captain tells jokes and shows what a funny guy he is but the more serious the issue the less he's going to say and if something's seriously wrong he's not going to say anything at all he's going to have somebody else say it and they're going to say it directly and that's what the book of galatians is it is we're in turbulence We're in a serious situation. We need you all to pay attention to these few and brief and direct words right now. So we start with a fact that was under contention and that Paul will uh, explain at greater length. And he will go through and tell us the things that a decade after this letter is is written. He'll tell us the things that we can at our leisure study in the book of Acts. But he's going to say that just with the first word, Paul. An apostle, not for men or the agency of men, but through Jesus Christ. And so, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle. You need to know that, but you also need to know I didn't make myself an apostle. Let's have this right in the first sentence. I didn't make myself an apostle. God made me an apostle. Now, we, by uh, having a lifetime of study and uh, putting many passages together, From a number of uh, books in the New Testament, Uh, we know a lot about the Apostle Paul. We know from Acts 21, uh, he was a Jew uh, from Tarsus of Cilicia. We know that in Acts 22, he'll mention his Roman citizenship, that he was born with citizenship. From Acts 23, also Acts 26 and Philippians 3, we'll know that he's a Pharisee. He's the son of a Pharisee. The Philippian passage will also tell us he's the Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. In Acts 22 and also here in Galatians, we'll find out that he was a pupil of Gamaliel, one of the great rabbis of the ancient time, that he was taught everything according to all the strict um, ways of the traditional instruction of the Jews. Also, we know that he had his vocational trade, which uh, Jewish rabbis had, not just their intellectual. Uh, and religious uh, and mental training, but their, their vocational training. Uh, he was, uh, in, by vocation trained to be a tent maker. Uh, we can, uh, I think very safely gather, uh, that he was a, a student of Greek literature. He quotes, uh, the, the prophets, uh, excuse me, the, 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 poets, he quotes the poets calling on it one time a prophet. He quotes the poets of the Greeks in, uh, act 17 when speaking to the cultured audience, uh, in Athens, he also uh, to the vulgar uh, people of crete from which we still have the word cretan uh he quotes uh, one of their poets about them he's both fluent in hebrew uh and in greek that uh, he was uh, zealous for all the things of the law and of course we know he was a persecutor of course all of those things are we find out not cause they were so important in themselves but they're brought up to illustrate uh, the mercy of God. They're brought up to help uh, explain and, and uh, to illustrate the, the good things of the gospel. And now these Judaizing teachers uh, who were there in the Galatian region, uh, they are making much of the law. Well, we'll find out that Paul knew a lot of the law, but he, he followed Christ by the revelation of God. And so we, Had Paul's conversion. And three times in the book of Acts, the conversion story of the apostle Paul is told, Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26, we're also here in the book of Galatians going to go over the conversion of Paul again. And so the the, uh, road to Damascus incident, seeing the light brighter than the noonday sun, hearing the voice speak to him, Uh, those things are going to be here in uh, Galatians as well because Paul will point out and Paul will show it is not by the agency or by the sending of men. He was an apostle. He was chosen as the other apostles were as well directly by God. He'll point out to the uh, Corinthians that it was not at the same time as the others. He was one untimely born. It's not in the same way as the others. Uh, it was so much so, and he was so, by his own action, it would apparently be so disqualified for this office that no person, no man would have ever uh, given it to him. But uh, he who, because of these things and his persecution of the church, considers himself the least of the apostles, not even fit to be called an apostle, he says, because First Corinthians fifteen nine, I persecuted the church of God, still it was that the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord specifically commissioned him directly, miraculously, with the evident tokens of that, the many miracles that he constantly did, the inspiration that he so evidently shows, that we can believe that he was directly called by the Lord to be his apostle. From the account of Acts 26, where the Lord speaks to him and says, after he has fallen to the ground, but arise and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also the things which will appear to you, delivering you from Jewish people and from Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, and from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are being sanctified. And so uh, this is the commission that he has uh, been given to turn the people from darkness to light, the kingdom of Satan to God. And as Paul told King Agrippa, he said, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so here's the apostle Paul, God's apostle, God's appointed apostle. Now, these Galatian folks, should have all the more than most have known them, for the Apostle Paul is the one who brought the gospel to the region. The Apostle Paul was uh, the first to proclaim the gospel there. And so among these brethren in the churches, verse 2, of Galatia, they should have known this uh, by by experience. Uh, The Apostle Paul had been uh, to Galatia in uh, the first missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14. He had been there in the second missionary journey, briefly, in Acts 16. He was there in Acts 18 as well, on the third missionary journey. Now, these cities of this Roman area, uh, known as Galatia, would have had such places in it as Antioch Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. This is a sort of west-central uh, area of uh, what is uh, the the peninsula uh, that's modern Turkey uh, in uh, Roman times? Uh, what we called Turkey was called Asia. Today, our Asia has moved uh, a lot farther to the east, and we we think we call things Asian all the way to the Pacific Ocean. But the Roman province of Asia, which was to the Romans the uh, western uh, excuse me the eastern portion of the empire with the, when the name was given Asia, meaning that area of the East, well, as travel increased, uh, so, uh, so did the amount of things to the East and the word Asia sort of migrated farther and farther East until it got to Japan and you can't go no further. And so we still know that as Asia today, but in these times, Asia was what we now call Turkey, that, that peninsula between the black sea and the Mediterranean sea, uh, with the, Aegean Sea between it and Greece on the other side. So in the south and west portion of that is a Roman area known as Galatia. uh, Galatia is named for the Gauls. And there's also an older area, and this is one of the minor, it's not really even a controversy, uh, but minor points. Uh, There was another section uh, in uh, a little bit older times known as Galatia in the Northern part of what is Turkey. And that was, that was Galatia for a while. And now Galatia's here in the Southern part. And there are, there's a minority view that uh, the Galatia of the book of Galatians is that Northern Galatia. And so if you want to look, you can find the uh, Northern Galatia, Southern Galatia uh, theories. It's not really a controversy because nobody gets that exercised about it. And it's really, it really doesn't matter. But Galatia, just like the word Asia, also moved from time to time. It's sort of like a, a, in North American geography. Depending on which context you're talking about, uh, the Northwest Territory or Northwest Territories, Northwest might mean three different things. At one point, what we now call the Midwest was known as the Northwest because in revolutionary times, uh, they called the Northwest Territories was Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and a little bit around there. Of course, today, the Northwest is Idaho and Oregon and and Washington. Unless you're in Canada, then the Northwest is way up north and way out west, uh, where uh, it's mostly frozen and the native Inuit people live. In any case, uh, these things of reference uh, can have uh, different meanings at different times. This seems pretty obviously uh, to be the Southern Galatia again, Iconium Lystra Derby, uh, that area where Timothy was from and the like that we run into in the missionary journeys of Paul. All right, so to these churches, Paul writes, and uh, Paul this probably wrote this as one of his earliest letters. The things of Acts 15 uh, have occurred and are mentioned in the book of Galatians. And so we know the book of Galatians had to occur after the Jerusalem conference of Acts 15, which is around the year 50 so around the year 50 uh, so 51 or 52 53 that's the early date there's a later date that some people think the book of galatians was written when paul was in corinth which would have been about 57 AD in either case again what, for our purposes you know these places on a map are just pins on an ancient map and and for our care what is 53 versus 57 matter what's four years among a couple of millennia but in either case now we can't directly pin down like some of the books uh, from the book of Acts, we can't directly pin down when Galatians was written, but it's quite obviously a very early book of Paul. So this is when uh, they didn't have the book of Acts. You know, we read the book of Acts and go, how can anybody doubt the conversion of Paul? This is 10 years before maybe the book of Acts was written. And there were those who uh, claiming uh, knowledge straight from Jerusalem, maybe claiming to be apostles themselves, as some people showed up in Corinth doing. Uh, Maybe we have uh, people who uh, are undermining the uh, authority of the Apostle Paul, preying on the ignorance of folks. Uh, Again, us having a settled canon, having the book of Acts as authoritative, having the completed work of Paul uh, in our rearview mirror and set in stone for us as as, uh, actual and factual events we can't imagine somebody i think it's really it's hard for us to imagine somebody not accepting paul as an apostle when he wrote half our new testament but at the time when this was occurring the new testament was not yet written by the mid 50s ad uh, i think two or three gospels maybe only one maybe two gospels were available for people to read a few other books uh, would have been available to read possibly, and I think likely, the book of James, possibly, the book of First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, that, if that later date of fifty seven A.D. is correct, then yes, they would have had the book of First and Second Thessalonians. But just imagine if that's all the Bible you had, and and by the time that at the time that this book is written, that's about all the Bible that people could possibly have had. That's about all that would have been written: two gospels, a letter or two of Paul's, besides this one, and the book of James. That would have been that have been what you had. So, we find that there's an attack that gains currency among some brethren, among uh, not people wanting to be heretics, among not rebellious people, among not uh, people uh, who are uh, seeking. Uh, you know, some other way, but they have found themselves being swayed by another way. Still in verse 6, Paul's going to be amazed that such a thing is happening. But he goes ahead and defends it and defends against it as if it's a real thing that's happening and a concerning thing that's happening, not just a outlandish thing. It's not just an outlandish thing that Paul's apostleship is under such uh, suspicion and uh, and devalued by some it's a real thing it's a it's a real thing of earnest in uh you know uh, earnest need for him to defend his apostleship again 10 years later the book of acts will come out and i think most questions of the apostleship of the apostle paul will be well settled but this is before that occurs so paul again the more serious the situation on the plane the less the pilot has time for pleasantries and extraneous words So right from the start, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor the agency of man. It wasn't me or any other man who brought this up, but it is Jesus Christ. It's God the Father, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead, that same God by that same power with that same authority made me to be an apostle. So there's brethren with me, and normally in the letters of Paul, there's mention of the brethren, and there's all kinds of pleasantries with it. Here it's just me and the folks with me. They would have known who, at least some of them were. We're writing to you, churches in Galatia. So on we go. So this was God's gospel. We already saw in verse 1, the, one of the main facts and one of the most pertinent facts of the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we've got the gospel. there are already uh, brought up. Uh, now we're going to explain in verse 4 particularly uh, the gospel and why you can have the things. Uh, for which the uh, uh, brethren uh, are wished in verse three, it's grace and peace to the brethren. And it's through the gospel in the rest of chapter in the rest of verse three and verse four. And then it's for the purpose of the glory of God in verse five. So our, our thing is uh, our benefit is grace and peace. The father's benefit is his glory. Verse five. And in between, And what Paul would pause to explain a bit is the gospel. So we have the gospel, grace to you, grace. Uh, uh, Charis or charis, I'm not sure the pronunciation of that Greek word, but that undeserved generosity, that unmerited favor, the blessings and favor of God, particularly the spiritual ones, grace to you, and peace. Uh, Again, uh, the peace, the traditional Hebrew greeting, which would have been shalom, and in Greek it's Irene, uh, or Irene, again, not sure of the pronunciation, uh, but the this uh, peace, uh the absence of trouble, harmony. So that's the benefits to us of the gospel, the the blessings and the favors and peace. And they come from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as we had in verse one, we have the Father and Son. So we have again in verse three, uh, we have the Father and the Son. And uh, so here come peace And here comes grace. Here's how grace and peace are brought to us. And here's how the God is given glory. It is, as it says in verse four, who gave himself for our sins. So we have the active sacrifice of Christ. That's the will of God. It was God's will and God's intent. The son carried it out as uh, John the Baptist early in the ministry of Jesus said, well, probably within the first week of Jesus' public ministry, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist says of him, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus through his gospels teaches that that is the intention. That is the purpose. So the gospels, uh, end with this, uh, just the very last Jesus said right before his death, Matthew twenty six twenty eight, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, or as Paul will later tell Timothy, he gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony born at the proper time and so here's the one who came at the proper time at the right time he came to forgive us of our sins, as it goes on to explain here in verse four that he might deliver us from this present evil age and so we note the connection of the evil age where we find ourselves in and we and and sins uh, it was it was sins of men so sins for which Jesus came to die. It was sins of men, which made it in Paul's time, a present evil age. Uh, John would say that everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the boastful pride of life is not from the father, but from the world. Well, it's from the world and it's sinful. That's what makes it uh, and then corrupts us. That's what makes it evil. That's what corrupts us. That's what gets us in trouble in it. That's why, from it, it, At their time, again, it was a present evil age. Peter would say, uh, be saved from this crooked generation. Or Paul would tell the Philippians, be a light to the world uh, in which you appear in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And so we have the multiple testimony that the time in which the gospel was presented was an evil age, a crooked generation, a crooked and perverse generation. Now, aren't we glad that we've outgrown that stage of human development? That we're no longer in a present evil age. Well, aren't we and haven't we ever presently been in a present evil age? It was sin then that made it uh, a present evil age. It's sin still that makes it a present evil age. Sometimes we'll hear people saying that the gospel's not effective anymore, that people are immune to the gospel. Uh, people have uh, become disenchanted with the gospel and uh, wholesale. Uh, and it's hard for the gospel to get along in times like these. Well, I have to say, I don't know if it's ever been any different than now. Oh, yeah, different problems. Uh, maybe things are better in some things. Maybe things are worse in others. You listen to anybody who's old enough, and I'm old enough now to get nostalgic about the way things were back in the good old days, of the 1980s. Of course, back in the 1980s, I heard from the old folks about how it was back in the good old days, of the 1940s. Well, I don't know that's ever really been the really good old days. Uh, the good days are going to come when the kingdom is consummated and the church is, is glorified but the gospel then prospered. Uh, the gospel was planted into a world and it did prosper in a world that at that time was presently evil. I don't know when the gospels ever did anything, but worked in a time when it was presently evil. And so there's a rescue. There's a rescue, not in the, when the age is redeemed, but when the people of that age are from that age redeemed, there's a redeeming of the people by the Christ who gave himself, uh, for our sins and we'll not find wholesale. I don't think we'll find, uh, anything close to wholesale. I don't think we'll even find a bulk discount. I don't think we'll find it in bulk. We won't find it street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, or even, uh, you know, whole community by whole community, uh, we'll find the blessings of Christ individually as individuals, as each soul will or will not, but each soul will be redeemed. Each soul will be glorified when they come to the rescue that is in Christ who gave himself for us. And so we have this rescue that's available to all and of which all the brethren have availed themselves. And this is what Paul's saying. Don't throw away your rescue. Don't get off the boat now as we'll find stay with him because he is the only hope in a presently evil age. And this is, this is, it says the will of, and purpose of God the Father. Now, we know that God wants, uh, 1 Timothy 2, 4, God desires it all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And and God has then, because of that, uh, made this offer that's available in, through, and only in Christ. He's made that well-known. He's made that publicized. He's he's given the good news uh, to all lands, the gospel. And he's commissioned, uh, first, the apostles, and then by extension, all those who know uh, through that message, uh, the message of, of asking people to come, uh, let the one who's thirsty say come, let the one who hears say come in the book of Revelation. Let, let, let this message go forth. But make sure it's this message. Make sure it's this will of God message of salvation in Jesus Christ, because he's the only one who gave himself for our sins. The sins is what makes it the present evil age. The conquering of sin is the way of grace and peace. And so stay with this. As it says in Jude, in the 25th verse, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forevermore. So as it says here in verse five, to whom be glory forevermore. And so to God be the glory, let all things be done for his glory. And we can do it for his glory, to his glory. When we have grace and peace from him through Jesus who gave himself for our sin and going back to verse one, God raised from the dead, showing that this was an acceptable offering for sin an effective offering for sin. And so it was <coughs> It was God's will to save us. Uh, He worked to save us. And so now, participating in that work that he's done for us, let's give him the glory. So, Paul, God's apostle, preaching God's gospel. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.